Hey everyone, this is Kim. Hi, it's Trisha. And it is still Women's History Month, so today we are going to talk about women empowerment, how to empower women. In the previous episode, we mentioned how behind every great man, there is a great woman. So today we sort of wanted to bring in examples, personal anecdotes of how men have stepped it up to help uplift us in the workplace, in life. Yeah, I think that we all want to support and empower one another, but sometimes it's difficult to figure out how to best do that. What one person considers to be support might look different to someone else. But when it comes to specifically empowering women in light of Women's History Month, Kim and I wanted to touch on some general ways that men can really help support and uplift and empower women and also how women can do that for one another on a daily basis in different ways. Like Kim said, behind every great man is a great woman, but behind every great woman there can also be a great man. Yeah, not just that, but I think we can also dive into how women could also help other women out. There's a lot of assumptions that we are all super competitive with each other, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it is, but there are ways that we can all help each other because we are all in the same race of life. So what does empowering women actually look like, you know, from day to day? I don't think we are truly as equal as some people might think we are. So to empower women is to them on the same playing field we could talk about you know the pay gap equality yeah i think that women have their own form of you know self-expression and like you said it's about the equality aspect right now in congress only less than a quarter of congress is women ceo positions of like fortune 500 companies women make up you know five percent i think and we make 72 cents to every dollar that a man makes. It might be different, that number might be different, but on a very literal sense, a part of empowerment is getting women to be on that even playing field, that even wavelength as men. Because even though we are trying, we're speaking about these issues, things are still unequal. And so in a very, very tangible sense, things can be looked at in that way. But then there are other ways on a day-to-day basis, right? Because our guy friends, for example, they might want to find ways to empower and uplift their girlfriends or just the women in their lives. They don't have the power to go into Congress and make that change, right? Not everyone has the power to make some of these bigger changes, but we can in our day-to-day lives. So to start off, I think one way could be when you compliment a woman, compliment not her body, but compliment her mind and her soul. One way is that women are always looked at for their bodies, um, appreciated and admired for their bodies. And it makes us kind of pit against one another. Women can be very competitive against one another, always trying to outdo the the woman next to her. And a lot of that competitiveness comes comes into place because of the way that we are described and the qualities that are complemented in us. Yeah, and I think another another example would be in the workplace uplifting women in the workplace when you find for example you know I think pay is such a hush-hush topic I once had a boss tell me when we were negotiating my pay raise he told me specifically don't tell anyone else about this and I was 21 at the time didn't think too much about it but I was reading this Guardian article on Hollywood's pay gap and it was saying how 
actresses were being paid 56% less than their male counterparts, which is about like over $2 million less per film. So the late Chadwick Boseman, what he did one time was he took a pay cut himself just so his female co-star could have equal pay. And, you know, that's not to say like every, you know, every, you know, male co-worker should just take a pay cut. Mm -hmm. But that is an an example of solidarity. Um, You know, I I have this other workplace story. One of my previous occupations, nightlife was a big part of it. Okay, let me reward that because I feel like I'm sounding like a stripper. (laughs) I cater to a lot of people. Okay, so no, in previous episodes I've mentioned, I've worked in hospitality, the restaurant business, and the venue I was managing would hold a lot of large-scale events, concerts, nightlife activities. So pretty often it would get very chaotic, hectic. You know, we were occupying like large volumes, uh, a large volume amount of people. And I had a coworker, let's call him Sean. Sean was always MIA. And so much so that the staff started spreading rumors about him. And you know, if you were the talk of the workplace, you must be extremely wonderful or a terrible person. So they were spreading rumors like, oh yeah, Sean is able to get away with so many things because he must be sleeping with our boss. We'll call him Bob. He must have some blackmail on Bob, some nudes or something on his phone which is why he can just be missing for hours. And, you know, oftentimes, actually, there was another rumor. Our intern would be missing. And so they would be gone for like an hour and they would return side by side. So naturally, people were assuming they must be sleeping with each other in the parking garage. You know, we totally had no evidence of anything at all, but it definitely seemed plausible. The most definitive example showcasing how he was able to just do whatever on his shift, right? The security team caught footage of him just strolling around the property for hours, aimlessly, doing absolutely nothing. So at one point I got so fed up because, so I was working day shift, we had two people working overnight and then Sean was in between both of us. So at least at night they had two people, but for me in the daytime, Sean was always gone. So I was really frustrated one day And I texted Bob, like, hey, Bob, I am so stressed out right now. Everyone needs breaks. We're out of so many things. I had to run to the other property just to get to-go boxes. We've been out of for weeks now. And Sean is nowhere to be found. So the only text I get back from Bob was, Sean is in a meeting right now with a client in the other property. No further explanations. No apology. Sean shows up to the outlet in like two minutes, okay? But to to walk from the other property to where I was takes at least five, seven minutes. I would know, and I walk fast. So I'm like, where does Sean just conjure up, you know? Like, where was this man this entire time? Because surely he was not in a meeting because it would take way longer to get to where I was. Mm -hmm. But yet no improvements were made after that, like, initial confrontation with Bob. I think, like, Sean was good for probably, like, two days, and then the next day I saw him in the office just messing with the font size of some document. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? But yeah, so for weeks, I was telling my coworkers who were working like the grave shifts, like, hey, we need to say something to Bob, like in person. And I was very gung-ho about it because it was affecting me mostly because I was basically alone to fend for myself. 
in the daytime. So one of my coworkers will call him Christopher. My male coworker Christopher agreed to go talk to Bob with me. And I think that helped alleviate so much fear I had in confronting my boss because I think I, you know, I was 21, as I mentioned. And I had this like deep fear of authority. Like that's why I was like, no one ever yelled at me or anything. Cause like I, I worked to be so good that they can't say anything about me because I, I didn't want them to have some negative opinion. Right. So like I, I was I deeply scared confronting my bosses and like the higher ups, especially cause when I was sitting in meetings with like the senior leaders, they were all men mm-hmm. or like 90% of them were men. So just to have Christopher there as a support he was there to back me up basically and I felt like that was such a moment of solidarity you know there's nothing that brings workers together more than like their disdain for management or other co-workers so that that was just an, an, an example I had of being supported in the workplace by a male co-worker um yeah the other other co-worker was um female like she didn't she didn't want to be involved in the drama or anything but I I greatly appreciate Christopher for that. In terms of Sean, did anything improve? I can't say because all three of us ended up quitting like within two Mm -hmm. months of each other. Um, Everyone besides Sean. Sean was still there. So I still think Sean was up to some shady things. That man was so sus. It's so interesting that you say that the the woman or the the girl in your team Mm -hmm. or where you were working didn't want to get involved. Women have to be ready to signal boost other women. Like that that exactly. kind of triggers me. I mean, yes, we want the support from men in the workplace um and that equality, but women have to be the first ones to step in, you know, because it's hard enough and you know, maybe that would have been nice if she had done that. But I totally get it. Like that solidarity in the workplace. Um it it means a lot when someone can demonstrate, especially a man, knowing that they do have the upper hand a lot of times. Um, when they can demonstrate that, you know, you're, they support you. Oh, yeah. And just even texting my boss, Bob, it was so, so scary to do. And finding that nothing really came out of that was even more heartbreaking. So to have another male coworker be like, okay, I'm going to go with you to have this meeting with Bob and we're going to set things straight. That means so much, I think, you know, just to be there for support. Bea, do you have any examples that you would like to share about how like people have helped step in to improve your situation or anything of that sort? When I worked at um, my previous company, I was a president of our analyst council and I was a female and there were there were not as many females to begin with in general (laughs) at the company I think whenever I'd walk into a boardroom whenever I'd walk into a conference room it was just usually like infiltrated with men the second team I worked in it was all men until they had like one female hire a couple months into my role but she wasn't even directly in my team so I was just used to being around men all the time and it's super interesting because there's such a fine line between wanting to fit in And my situation is unique, right? Because I worked in a company that was very male-dominated and I worked in a team that were very male-dominated. And the fine line is, to what extent do I try to fit in and be like you and act like Mm -hmm. you and be one of the bros? And to what extent do I stand up for women? And if you're saying something that could be rude or maybe a little misogynistic, should I be offended and 
expect that you wouldn't be saying something like that, having a female on your team. So that was always very interesting um, for me. I never felt... I always felt like the, the, the men that I worked with, for the most part, because I was the only woman... I kind of got to I kind of got a lot of leeway and a lot of opportunity just to do what I wanted and be myself. I think that was a little bit of a unique situation because they just did not have a good amount of women to begin with and they didn't want to lose women, but I don't think that's a good reason. I think just me walking into a conference room which is all male dominated. Something is wrong with that picture. <laughs> we want to address the waters, right? If we're talking about companies and corporations, we want to address the waters that we're bringing women into. I felt very awkward. Not only was I a woman, but I was a woman who was in, who was an Indian woman. You know, I wasn't I wasn't mm. a white woman either. Like most of the women that I was surrounded by were white women um, on the outside. So on top of that, there my race also came into the picture. So I think, you know, I I no one ever made me feel uncomfortable. But I think just visually, um, it wasn't very empowering. To not have other women in that room with me. I think that sometimes mm. empowerment isn't as so direct as like someone's doing something tangibly for you to make you feel supported. It can also just be, well, let's look around. How many women are represented here? And in my case, where I was working before, the, the picture just didn't look that way. Like I remember we'd take like team pictures mm -hmm. and it would be like me and like a bunch of, a bunch of males surrounding me. And... Again, no one ever said anything or did anything. And I, I'm not really sure about like what the disparities in our pay were. That was very hush-hush. But um, just the picture of that wasn't right. And it wasn't very empowering to know like, oh, well, I'm the only woman here. They're going to do anything because they want to keep me here anyways. Me being one of the only women. So I thought that was really interesting mm. from my personal work experience. And I realized that a part of empowerment is making those numbers equal. Like we started the episode talking about how not as many women are, you know, at CEOs or represented in Congress, like things like that. Getting more women into the picture of these positions that are usually male dominated or these places where um, men just seem to be more trusted with these roles getting like first their faces there and then we can talk about like the pay and everything but if women aren't even there in the picture then that's not very empowering yeah it's um important that you mentioned also just being one of the only women of color in a room dominated by men i've, I've definitely been in that position um and you know women of color are more marginalized by the wage gap you know jessica chastain an actress uh, she's been very vocal about demanding equal pay for equal work for women. And she was working on this one film with Octavia Spencer. And they were discussing their pay. And it turns out um, Octavia Spencer was getting paid so much less. And so Chastain, what she did was she helped negotiate for higher pay for both of them. And so Octavia Spencer ended up getting like five times more the amount that she was originally getting and that just goes to show like women banding together can be so powerful and I know like I can owe the growth of my production team onto another woman as well because one of the first gigs we we got and what really helped like validate us as a team um, you know a team of like three female creatives was that we were 
doing a photo shoot at a shop right randomly one day and a woman comes to us she, she was a black woman saying like hey i'm a black female business owner um i love seeing what you guys are doing here how would you feel about shooting a car commercial for me for my car dealership and she didn't know what we've done beforehand she's never seen our work but it was like the trust she had of just seeing other women of color you know doing something so creative she took the opportunity she gave us the opportunity to collaborate with her business and when we were negotiating pay for the car commercial you know we gave her our price and she told us you know my brother works in commercial film he charges like seven times the amount you guys are charging right now for your work and she told us like you know what this is a price that you know we can negotiate as collaborators together to help each other grow but going forward you ladies need to be charging what you're worth and it's it's hard sometimes you know to know truly what your work amounts to until another person tells you and to hear that from another woman another businesswoman was so validating and you know i'm so thankful for the opportunity she was able to give to us and i feel like going forward in my life that's something I would like to encourage more of and if I if I'm ever in the position in the future to help uplift uplift other people in similar standings as me I would love to you know um, and I think that's the sort of mentality that we need to be having to help grow as not just individuals but as a community I love that absolutely same for me if you've reached a certain point and you have the means and the opportunity to help I would always want to be doing that for another woman, any group of people. Mm -hmm. I have this interesting anecdote, a little story actually. It relates to something in my life, but I'm going to make it um, a little bit more general so it's it's more relatable and then kind of tie it back to what you said because this is what this kind of reminds me of. So in COVID, like during COVID, we, I felt like with COVID, so many people passed away so many people survived but there was so, so like covid didn't choose you know or discriminate between um, like rich or poor man or woman but my story is kind of um imagine like a really rich man a really rich man and he just is like a billionaire and around him he's supported like the people around him in his ecosystem and in his community, other men and women, they're really poor. They're poor, they're homeless, um, there's just a lot of poverty surrounding him, but he's very well off. He has great opportunities, he has a lot of money, and he gets COVID. And then um, he has like 12 doctors waiting on him 24-7 because he has the money for that. Um, he happened to catch COVID from, he went out for a walk or something and someone in the community, I guess, passed it on to him. So he got COVID like that. Or maybe it was one of his servants or someone working for him that gave him COVID. Um, but anyways, he has 12 doctors waiting on him around the clock, 24-7. And in the end, even with all of that, he doesn't make it. And later the family finds out mm -hmm. that... It was some. It was somebody. One of the people who were living in poverty, like their entire family was sick. He might. He might have gotten into contact. Like that family might have gotten into contact with someone who worked for him, um, and then he caught COVID this way. So mm -hmm. they were like, "Wow!" Like 
I think the moral of like that story, like what I'm trying to say <laughs> a little all over the place is this man, he made it. He was wealthy. He had everything. He had 12 doctors when he got sick waiting on him. But in the end, he passed away from COVID. And the lesson to be learned is he was fine, but his ecosystem was not. His ecosystem and the people around him were suffering. There was huge um, disparities and inequalities in the way that he was living and the people around him were living. In the end, you know, coming into contact with those other people, like because other people were in suffering, it ended up bringing him down. Now, I don't know how much this man did to help the people around him or to uplift them or bring them up to a more even place as him. But it seems that it could be that when we're also focused just on ourselves um, and we don't embrace, you know, everyone suffering as our own, that, mm. you, you know, turning your back on someone else's suffering, it could end up bringing you down in some weird way so that's kind of what i'm trying to convey like backhandedly with this story that you know when it comes to women for example embracing all women's suffering as your own if you do have the opportunity to uplift someone um to really take that to support and to empower because you just never know how not doing that could affect you I don't know if you saw this like trending tweet a few months ago about how like this one recruiter was sort of bragging about how one of her applicants, the the amount for her salary that she inputted was like much lower than what they were offering for the role. And then the recruiter's like, I'm going to just leave you to what you initially put in and not give you like the full amount because this is a learning lesson for you basically and you know twitter was like up in flames about this like they were so in support for the actual applicant because that's so messed up she was like a woman recruiter and here was like another female applicant who she instead of like actually saying hey you could be making so much more she instead opted to make some sort of like fool out of this person and you know it's like if you're in that position to be able to help someone out it's sort of like what do you even gain by putting down other people Mm -hmm. exactly that blows my mind that someone did that and made it public especially a recruiter (laughs) to brag about on twitter yeah i know because in the end like you might be a strong woman you might be beautiful you might have it all but you could lose that in a second and anything can be lost or changed in a second and so just not getting competitive with other women you know this in this case she's trying to teach another woman a lesson when she could just uplift her it's it it seems obvious but i i don't know it's i guess you know not all women are supporting other women um either but just to get into that a little bit, what do you think are some like some of the reasons why women can get really competitive with one another or not always opt to empower each other? I think when there are already so few women in a workplace setting, right? It's hard to not be pitted against each other, especially when things come around for like promotions and all of that. Typically, you are placed together to sort of compete. I think there there are like so few opportunities available already. So it makes it a lot more competitive, but perhaps like it's also just upbringing. Um, I don't know how it is these days, but I feel like for myself, 
girls were always pitted against each other in terms of like beauty, like intelligence. It's it, it was sort of like there can't be more than one of you in the room, so we have to choose like the best one um, instead of like making space for more women. I agree with you. I think it's it's also like what we said formerly about how women are seen a lot of times for visual appearance like when someone looks at a woman i think if if a girl's looking at a girl if a guy's looking at a girl physical appearance is what is first and foremost seen her hair her eyes her grooming her body shape just how she looks you know not her soul not her mind not anything that has to do with her like inner self but just visually so i think like when a woman looks at another woman and she's you know the other woman's beautiful it could stir something inside of you and make you get a little competitive because you know that you're always assessed based on looks. So if that's the rubric, if that's like mm-hmm. the metric, then it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm falling short on this metric because this is what we're always going to be seen as. Like, let's say we shifted that narrative and we said that women are now only going to be looked at for <laughs> their positions at work, like their their level and their like salary and positions at work then that would create a different type of competitiveness i'm sure men are competitive with one another too oh yeah but i think you're right it's tying back to what you said there's so few of us in a lot of these settings that it's so much harder too to like get those same opportunities and that same access like if one woman's making the same amount as a man that's a rare case and then it's like well you know, it, it hasn't really been done. So it does kind of like stir us to compete with one another because we know how hard it is to get to that place. Um, so all these things like coupled together makes us competitive. But I think the primary thing is how we are seen by our male counterparts and how we are compared too. Because even growing up, like I remember young boys would be talking to each other, like rating girls, like, or rate her like one to 10. Um, or like, I remember I was always called like overweight growing up, you know? So like that always became a sticky thing for me. Like immediately when I, when I'd be in a room full of women that, you know, really weren't struggling with their weight, like it would make me feel self-conscious about like, well, why do I always struggle with it? Um, so I think it was just the, the also like growing up, like coming from an Indian heritage where we talked about this in a previous episode, like in my culture women are always just like being primed and prepped for marriage you know you have to make sure you're like you have the right amount of education don't be too 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 educated but have the right amount of education um look good make sure you're presentable you know make sure your skin looks clear and like like little things like that so that you'll be like marriage material it makes people like culturally like when people have these things that they've learned growing up it makes them sort of it enters your subconscious mind and makes you compare yourself to other women and i think that's all these reasons um couple into why women are so competitive with one another yeah even in the episode where we were going over articles about how to pick up women right the advice for women was like you need to moisturize you need to apply like very natural subtle makeup and it was all appearance based whereas for men it was more so how do you carry yourself are you charismatic are you confident like like you were saying we are based off this sort of beauty metric you know whether whether we agree to it or not i think that's that's what people always what it boils down to i i have heard from you know friends who've said that 
they've heard from their bosses like, oh, we're not going to hire that girl because she's not as attractive. You know, things like that exist. It's still prevalent. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, I'm sure it's true. But I, I wonder how much I was going to say, I wonder how much of this is biological. You know how they say like for, for men, like they're not biologically wired to just like they're biologically wired to spread like to reproduce basically mm-hmm. with as many women as possible, like biologically and to like grow the human population. So how much of this do you think is like biological like the psychology behind the competitiveness of women like you want to be on the top you want to be the one that is i guess the person who is you know giving birth to life with a man so because men are so animalistic in their instincts to want to reproduce right like on a biological level Mm -hmm. from back in the day that we want to be chosen as their mates to reproduce with Maybe that's where the physical looks come in. To be chosen. But wasn't it always like men chasing after women though? You know, well, like the whole like peacocking thing. Like men have to find a way to attract their female counterpart. So in that case, wouldn't it be more competitive for men in that situation? It's also competitive for women. Yes, but they're choosing the women that for mates based on how they look because men are visual creatures Mm. you know and then when another more attractive woman comes along it's like well i could also mate with her (laughs) she's attractive too and i could also mate with her and because biologically men are such visual creatures it pits women against one another because we want to be the most we want to be the best we want to be the most attractive we don't want any woman coming in and taking away that sort of limelight I think that's a part of it, like biologically, where that competitiveness comes from. Mm. And so then we begin to derive our worth based off of our appearance solely. Mm -hmm. And just competing in general. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that that's the case. And I think that's that's why it can make um, it's so difficult sometimes for a woman to uplift another woman and to be critical. I think it takes a huge amount of self-love, like a huge amount of just like, this is the body that I was born with. This is how I am. Like, this is who I am. You know, a person's going to choose me for me. And when you're very comfortable with yourself, then you can, it's easier for you to empower and uplift other people because it's not about you competing with them anymore. You want to see everyone winning because you already feel like a winner in your own eyes. Have you ever experienced being put down by another woman? Probably have. I have had women be very critical of me Mm -hmm. you know um because i've had women be really critical of me and again when you're critical of someone else you're really just critical of yourself Mm -hmm. so when you're judging someone for something it's kind of like pointing the fingers back at yourself but i have and then i've i've also just had an easier time in the past making friends with males than than females because i felt like with women, um, it w- they would get like passive aggressive or just not treat me the same, and I, I was I wouldn't really I wasn't really sure what I did wrong. I don't know if that makes sense. Have you felt that way? Yeah, I feel like I definitely went through a period of time where I was like, oh yeah, I mainly hang out with dudes because they're they're chiller. <laughs> yeah, the the one example I have is like it's very minimal from like elementary school. I imagine this like a very, very long time ago, but this girl, Mel, let's call her Mel. uh, We were in art class and 
I was just doing my thing, completing the assignment. And all of a sudden, you know, people just like come over to my table. It's like, whoa, this is like a great job, Kim, like amazing. Um, and just like saying really nice things to me. And you know, I was a very quiet kid. I didn't do too much. And then Mel just comes over. It's like, Kim, why do you have to show off all the time? It's like, girlfriend, when do I ever say a single word? You know, it's like for once in my entire school career, here people are complimenting me and uplifting me. And you have to turn this moment around to spotlight yourself and like how you're not gaining all that attention. It's like, oh yeah, we were we were children at the time, but I still think that mentality is in adults as well. But yeah, it's kind of like what, like what makes you? Because I'm I'm trying to like break down that mentality and trying to understand like where she's coming from. Like, did she feel that she was deserving of that, and she felt like I was less deserving, and so she had to tell me like stop showing off. You know. What comes to mind is because women are not celebrated enough. Maybe this girl, Mel, she wasn't celebrated enough. Maybe she's not getting the affirmation that she needs from the people around her and the support. So it's difficult to see another woman getting that. Again, tying back to self-love too. Women need to work on that Mm. in themselves. Because you can uplift and empower somebody else and see the light in someone else when you see the light in yourself. So it sounds to me like a male problem. (laughs) (laughs) Like she just needed to address it within herself. Um, And a little bit of jealousy. I think jealousy is a great thing. Jealousy, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but jealousy teaches us a lot. Jealousy is so necessary for us to know what, what we need to heal within ourselves. So that's just what comes like top of mind, like based on that story, Mm -hmm. because that's such a real thing. Like what you're saying, I'm sure like people have experienced that. Um, I know women will be critical of other women when they dress super revealing. Like if you're showing some cleavage or if you're wearing like a short dress, like this has happened to me before. I think it was like my eighth grade dance. I wore like a tight dress and I was the only one like everyone else wore like all the other girls wore like flowy, loose dresses like. But I wore like a tight dress. I looked like I was going to the club. I don't know. I just like the dress. But I got a lot of um, moms talking smack about me after that dance. And I had a lot of girls talking smack about me after that dance. Like, who does she think she is wearing that dress? It's so revealing. Like, why is she trying to show her? They learn it from their mothers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Why is she trying to show her butt off? Like, all this stuff. I'm sorry. I have a butt and you don't, girlfriend. No, I'm kidding. But... (laughs) 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 but um just I remember that and I realized like growing up I didn't understand what all this like criticality I don't know if that's a word I didn't understand what it was but I recognized that you, you know when you feel like there are parts of yourself lacking when you don't feel empowered enough in yourself it's very easy to be critical of someone else and like um how they're doing which kind of like brings me to if we wanted to offer some concrete ways that women can empower other women and that men can empower other men. I know we've been like looking into some articles um, and and like just looking up resources for Women's History Month. Um, Should we provide maybe some like really concrete ways that that uplifting can show up? Yeah. So I think one thing that I hold really dear is to help invest in women-run businesses and so you know if you're a business owner it's so important to collaborate with other female business owners because 
we are underrepresented, especially in like creative fields. So I think share your friends' posts. You know, if they're if they're doing something like a side business, yada yada, like it it doesn't cost anything to share their posts. Like that's something very minimal that people could do. You know, follow, just show some type of support, or even just like a text message message saying like, "Hey, I think you're doing a really great job." Um, because as we've mentioned, a lot of people at the time don't know what they're worth and it's important to have that validation from others at times. Absolutely, I agree. And when, when and when women share their stories, I know on LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever, sharing those posts, it's hard to be vulnerable as a woman. You know, when a woman is vulnerable for the public, sharing it, you know, uplifting her, making sure that that post is seen, making sure that, you know, um, you appreciate that she's sharing her story, that it's bold, it's brave. We also mentioned um, complimenting women not on their body, but on other qualities that they have. Maybe their mind, maybe their talents, maybe their hobbies, maybe um, personality uh, traits that they exhibit that you really like. Then slowly as a collective, if we do that, then women will stop comparing each other, comparing themselves to other women based on their bodies and appearance, but more on qualities that are actually beneficial to our society as a whole. Another way is to also just pass the mic. Um, You know, if you're in a setting where you're in a meeting or something and you feel like your colleague is being overtalked or something, or if it's something that you don't have expertise in and perhaps like your female coworker does, uplift them. Say like, oh, I think you might have like a really great idea. It's like empowering others by taking a step back to allow them to shine in the spotlight you know not so much always like pushing for something but just taking a step back and letting someone else be able to express themselves i think is so helpful especially if they don't feel like they're able to if, if they're even allowed to be in that room you know to create space for them and to welcome them in that space i love that and in workplaces when there are women's groups join the women's group if you're a man join the women's group just show your support that way too passing the mic and any way any opportunity you could get involved with diversity inclusion get involved even if you don't know what to do get involved another thing that comes to mind is asking questions so this is very simple this doesn't even require you to do anything if you're a man and you don't know necessarily how to empower and support best ask women questions Mm -hmm. don't assume we don't have the answers to everything yeah it's just i have a friend um she told me that you know the best way to be an ally for the african-american community is just ask more questions how can you say that you're an ally how can you say that you're showing support if you don't even have full understanding of their human Mm -hmm. experience if you don't know what it's like to be a woman try to understand what it's like to be a woman ask questions be curious just seeing that somebody cares enough to constantly ask me questions and exhibits curiosity about what i'm going through as a woman is a big deal to me it shows that they care that they might not have all the answers but that they want to know and then tangible change coming out of that you know that we didn't just have the conversation but now you could take something away from the questions that you've asked me and do something about it and this goes back to my example from the beginning but i think everyone should openly be talking about their pay this is a discussion that we should always be having um just the fact that a boss told me to keep hush about it is a red flag Um, You know, we should be openly talking about things like sex, you know, our periods, like 
I was having a discussion with my girlfriends the other day about, you know, just like pubic hair. And it was just like enlightening because it's like, whoa, I didn't know you had that there too. Mm -hmm. And just normalizing these Mm -hmm. concepts. Yeah, you should not be having to have to hide in a bathroom at work because you're getting period cramps, feeling like there's not a person that's going to understand. I mean, all these things should be normalized. Talking about sex openly, talking about periods openly, any women's topics um i think you know i always say that if i'm going to have children everyone might expect that i'd want to have daughters but i actually would want to have sons and the reason is because i would want to raise the best feminist sons ever we need more men out there that are going to be showing up the marches that are going to be you know advocating for women really trying to see women and and just you know not shy away from calling themselves feminists. I don't even like the word feminist, but you know what I'm trying to say. Just a supporter and an empower of all women. Um, prioritizing all women. Women of color, trans women, disabled women. Like, just any woman. It does not matter. I want as many people on board, especially men, um, supporting women as possible. That's, mm-hmm. like, a big deal. Women need to work on not getting competitive with other women. Second, you start to get jealous or feel competitive with another woman. Check yourself. Look in the mirror. See what it is that is lacking within you that's bringing up this competition in the first place. And I think that's like a woman-to-woman thing. That's so That um, can be one way. <laughs> I was just saying, I, c- I can relate because there yes. have been times, and you know, Trisha, no, where I have been very jealous, you know, in my younger years towards women who didn't even do anything to me Mm -hmm. it was more so coming from a place of lack for sure thinking in hindsight now where I felt like oh this person must be so much better than me because I don't have all these characteristics and it takes a lot of self-love to overcome that but as you've mentioned before it's really good to try to understand where your jealousy stems from and analyze break it down what are you jealous about? Because majority of the time, actually all the time, it it tends to stem from yourself and not the other person at all. Agreed. Exactly. And that's a big one for how women can help uplift and be more willing to uplift and empower other women. So call attention to women suffering. Thank women. If there's an opportunity to thank a woman, thank her. Just thank her, especially mothers. (laughs) That sounds like a threat. Thank her. (laughs) Go out of your way to make women feel good, you know? I mean, this goes for women too. Like, you know, if you see someone that looks good, I'm trying to do this more often now. When I see... When I see a woman and I just see some a quality that I admire in her, I like take a mental note of it and I'm like, oh, I'd love to somehow adopt this in my own life. But I compliment her on it because it's not easy. It's not easy for you to have your hair did and your nails did and, and your toes did and everything just, you know, looking, you know, put together, making it to work, you know, knowing how to cook, just doing every single thing that you do. It's, it's hard, and, and we know how hard it is for ourselves. So just like complimenting the women in your life, thanking them, seeing them, appreciating them. And if you are in a family and, you know, women are kind of, we brought up this example like in a previous episode about, you know, when you see a woman taking care of a child at the park or at the grocery store, it's just her job. But if a man does it, it's like, oh, wow, he's such a good father. Well, 
changing that, you know? It's not just a given that women should just be there for everyone in their lives, their kids, their partners, their family members. No, that takes time. It takes time and effort the same way it would for anyone else. And that should be acknowledged and appreciated. Yeah, and I also want to note, um, because we haven't mentioned this episode yet, but we are speaking from the perspective of two heterosexual Asian women. Um, But, you know, we should definitely be prioritizing other women of color, trans women, disabled women, you know, the most disenfranchised among us. And I think that's important to note because there are things that we can't speak for. It's not within our scope of things, you know, not within our orientation. It doesn't feel right. But, you know, for example, in the future, if we were to talk more about these things, it would be best for us to bring on someone who is part of those groups to, you know, once again, pass them the mic and give them the space to discuss things that are applicable to them. I absolutely agree with that. And that's why I think like what we mentioned about asking questions is so important because we're two heterosexual Asian women. We can't speak for other people's, other women's experiences. And so everyone is different. So what works for us might, it might be different for someone else. Empowerment looks different to me than it might look to another type of woman Mm -hmm. and so asking questions is so important being curious everyone like sees support in a different way and needs to be supported in a different way so just being curious about how you could offer that support to different types of people is good well we're halfway through women's history month so i'm glad that we're talking about you know women that have inspired us different qualities and now how to empower women because that how is really important we have a whole month dedicated to celebrating women but it's like how can we celebrate them how can we empower them so i'm really glad that we touched on this issue or not an issue but i'm really glad that we touched on this topic thank you so much for listening don't forget to check us out on instagram at lucid in translation for any serious inquiries you can reach out to us at lucid in translation at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and all your support don't forget to rate us five stars if you can and we'll see you next time bye bye